Welcome to another episode of Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with fellow freelance models. Today, I have Julia on the line. Say hello. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy that we get to do this podcast together. I know. Me too. We've tried many times, but road life is Road life. Yep. And things a little messy, but I'm happy it finally worked out. Yeah, and we actually, now that we're recording it now, we've recently been able to meet each other in person in real life. At the, I know, I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny, like a handful of the other people that I've interviewed, it was like before I met them at Muses in Wonderland and we were talking about the event and now it's happened. I know, that was my first time I ever attended a modeling event with like other models for like multiple days that's the first time I've ever met models really to be honest with you <laughs> really oh yeah, I never really like they don't do a lot of events like that in the south which is where I'm from and even though I've been modeling for like a decade I never got invited to anything up north because I was always driving by car on my trips and I was doing short trips I would do like four or five day trips, drive across the country from Houston. And I just never like that just wasn't I was I was really crazy and chaotic, I guess the way I was doing it when I was in the South. Yeah, that makes sense. When I started van lifing and traveling a little bit slower, I was able to like stop by places more frequently and like do other things besides running around to photo shoots. And that was nice. That's what I kind of did last year. My boyfriend lost his job on New Year's Eve of 2022, literally. It was this crazy deal. He worked at the same place for seven years. And then his boss got mad because we got COVID and we got tested. And his boss was one of those crazy people who like is really insane about COVID and was like, it's just the flu And he fired Diego because we got tested for it. It was crazy. So I was like, we should just travel the United States together and see like what the world is like. And maybe we can find somewhere that we really like and we finally leave Texas. That's crazy. You got fired for testing for COVID? What the fuck? Yeah, like we've not even like, not even like vaccinations or any of those other things just because we did a COVID test. Well, fuck that place. <laughs> yeah, honestly, for real. Like, I was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> for our listeners, would you mind describing how you first got into modeling and then how it's led you to where you are now? Oh, my gosh. This is such an interesting story. So long ago, I was a young 18-year-old, and I went with my friend from middle school to a photo shoot. And she was working with this really phenomenal designer and photographer duo out there, Danny and David Wynn. And she wasn't hair and makeup ready because she wasn't really a professional. She was just a hobbyist. And I had a really short pixie cut, kind of like your hair now. And I had like a little bit of like makeup on. And he was like, let's just do some photos of you. Well, we really liked each other. So we kept working together for like, a solid six months, anything that agency models wouldn't do or weren't allowed to do, I would do it because I didn't care. I I was, I think my second shoot was like a topless shoot. We put like a blonde wig on me in case I decided I ever want to like remain anonymous, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just kept doing it and it did meet another model who 
told me about Model Mayhem. And she was like, you could get paid for this. And I was just over here having the time of my life just doing trade work with these guys because they thought their designs were super cool. I thought concepts were super cool. And it was something for me to do in my spare time because I wasn't working at the time. And I was in this like really horrible relationship and I just wanted to be away from my apartment all the time. Yeah. So I'd go hang out with them. And then I started doing fine nude mo- fine art nude modeling, which was pretty cool. I've always been really interested in art. My grandmother would make fun of me when I was a kid and we would go look at the Museum of Fine Arts Houston's paintings and I would stare at the nude paintings. And she'd always be like, you always like the ones with the boobies. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just got really kind of into it. It was something that I could do that I was really good at and I enjoyed doing. And I liked meeting people. And for a really long time, I only traveled in Texas because it's such a big state and I didn't have a license. So I was greyhounding it or I would have friends who would go on trips with me who like weren't even models. They were just girls who wanted to like come hang out on the weekends and like see what I was doing. And I met this other model through a photographer who was super cool. And she was like, I will show you what to do so you can tour. And she like sat me down and like revamped my model mayhem and showed me how to cold call and redid my Instagram. And then I did my first trip out of state, which was to Oklahoma City which people think is crazy that I went to OKC for my first trip. But I made a lot of money that trip. And I also Mm. met a really cool couple who is also a photographer. And he's a photographer. And she's – well, he also has another job. And she's, like, this amazing chef, cook, baker. He's also, like, works in, like, a chemist lab. And they let me stay with them. And I just kept going back to OKC. And I met other models and photographers they have a lot of couples out there who are like dating photographers and models and they're like really cool and they're really cute. And so I'd hang out with them and they would give me advice on what to do. They taught me how to do my hair and makeup. One day I booked a plane ticket all the way to DC because I was hosting models in Houston. And one of them was like, you should go to DC. I make a lot of money there. And that was my first like big trip I ever did was to go to DC and go through Virginia. And now it's been 10 years and For the last year and a half, I've been touring. I went to 40 states last year. Wow. It was amazing. My boyfriend was with me. My dogs were with me. It was like this epic adventure. And I fell in love with Pittsburgh and I moved us across the country on a whim that I thought the bridges were pretty. And also 80% of the American population is within an eight-hour drive of Pittsburgh. And I was driving 12 hours minimum to get to just a place to go make money when I lived in Houston. So I am built for the road, I guess. 80% of America's population is within an eight hour drive from Pittsburgh. If you think about it. So New York City is six hours from here. Chicago is like seven and a half. Then Atlanta and the Carolinas, all of the East Coast for the most part, except for like Maine and like Vermont and New Hampshire, but like there's not very many people there. It's all clustered really close. And then if you expand it to 12 hours, like I could get all the way to Kansas. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. It was like, this is perfect. I guess I haven't thought of that before. (laughs) It was definitely a very weird move, I guess, to go from such a huge city like Houston to go to, I think Pittsburgh is a small town. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. It is not the big city vibe that I'm used to. 
I've been through Pittsburgh before. I I felt like in Pittsburgh itself, there weren't as many freelance photographers, but that was like, I don't know, five years ago at least. There's not too much work here, but Ohio's super close. I do really well in Ohio. Nice. New York is like just north of me. There's a lot of people in New York, but it's like, do you play video games? I used to. <laughs> I, I, I've been saying to some of my friends up here that like New York and Pennsylvania and Ohio are full of like NPCs, like non-playable characters. Like they're <laughs> just standing in the road doing the most obscure things. And like you can tell that's what they do every day. It's very weird. Yeah. I will be going to New York City tomorrow, actually. And I recall in the past being there, everybody's down on their phones. Yeah. I've only been <laughs> once. Can you believe it? Yeah, whoa, that's crazy. I'm being so close. In a few weeks, so. Cool. So right now you're maintaining your touring and is like getting booked for photo shoots your primary source of income? Yeah, so I've been only modeling and pretty much it's kind of the only job experience I have. I started modeling right after high school. It was a perfect fit for me because I had cancer when I was younger. So I had an experimental surgery done on my leg. And that really limited my ability to work a normal full-time employment job when I was younger. Now, I feel like I could hold a job like that. But at this point, I've spent so long doing this and I'm really in love with it. I don't feel like I want to even try. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome, though. That's really awesome. So when you had your cancer, was that that was before you started modeling? Yeah, so I got diagnosed with bone cancer, osteosarcoma, in 2006 when I was 12. Oh, when you were 12? Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, I was like a little baby. I had like no life experience. It was a really long time ago. For the most part, everything is like fine with me. The only problems I have is like limited mobility in my right knee. Um, I didn't even think that I could model, which is so funny. I remember right before I had my last surgery crying outside of the Starbucks with one of my friends about how I would be ugly and disfigured for my whole life and no one would want me. And he was like, if you didn't have your leg and your scar, you'd be a bitch because you'd know you're hot. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Do you think that's like, true? <laughs> I have no idea, but he says it was my humility marker and I kind of like that. It's kind of funny. I don't know. I don't know what I would have been like. It's something that's interesting to think about sometimes. That's crazy. Yeah, I guess you don't know what your life is going to be like without certain things that have happened to you. So everything that's happened to you makes you who you are today. Yeah, and like having cancer as a kid was cool. And it was cool because I started modeling right at this like pivotal point in like our industry. So pre-me modeling, it seems like the industry was really full of the idea of wanting perfect models. Kind of like how you with your tiger are really big deal in our industry for you to come out and say, I want my tiger stripes and I embrace them and I love this part of myself. Yeah. (laughs) One of the first people to really do that in the freelance world to like my knowledge from what I'm really told. Well, when I came in, there were no models with scars. There were no models with disabilities. There were no, there was just on the cusp of there starting to be more like full figured models and plus size models and like body positivity was becoming a thing. And that was like a cool thing for me to like kind of witness the evolution. And now there's a lot of models with scars and a lot of models with disabilities. And I know a lot of models who have amputations and other types of disabilities and like mobility issues and stuff where they're modeling in their wheelchairs. When I started modeling, what I was doing was unheard of. People loved booking me for out of the concepts like Kitsumi projects where they modeled my scar after the broken pottery that Japanese 
do in history where they take pottery that's broken and then they fix it and they mold it with gold on the crack. Ooh, so interesting. It's still usable. It's still beautiful. Those flaws make it even more beautiful. And so for the first like three years that I was modeling, this Kutsungi thing had been like going around on Tumblr and Twitter and Facebook. And people were booking me so much for that one concept. It was really cool. You could see that it was like exposing people to the idea that we don't have to have models that are absolutely perfect all the time, kind of. Yeah, that is really cool. I don't know if I'm super familiar with that project, but now I'm going to look it up. I can totally send you some of the photos that I've done for it. I saw those are some of my favorite photos. They're really interesting. Cool. So, and that was close to the time that you were first getting into modeling? Yeah, so that was around 2012 to probably about 2015, 16. Wow. So now today, I do see quite a bit more like models that, like you're saying, amputations with alopecia, with vitiligo, with like all kinds of interesting like appearances that are different. So how do you feel that you fit into that space now? Because when I look at your portfolio, like I just see like strong, beautiful woman. I feel like, yeah. So I think that that's like an interesting subject because this is something that like I kind of struggle with as a human being who's like disabled. So I'm not like the conventional idea of what a disabled person is. When people meet me and they talk to me and they hear, oh, I've hiked on 30 states or I drive myself across the country that doesn't fit the idea of what like disabilities are but to me and to the legal standings and to my doctors I am disabled there is something that is wrong with my mobility that hinders my capability of functioning like normal people do in their day-to-day life and so in my head I think I'll always be a model who has a disability but I also don't really like being defined as oh this is Julia my friend who had cancer (laughs) or this is Mm -hmm. Julia she's disabled like her leg sucks like be careful with it because I feel like that's in a way insulting to me that's like defining my whole book of life by one chapter that happened 15 years ago yeah totally but also in that same way and I guess that's why this is like confusing and hard for me to like understand sometimes is that I have the coolest connection with people that other models like don't get. I have like veterans who reach out to me who are women who have been hurt in war who found my work and they really resonate with seeing a beautiful girl or a beautiful woman in lingerie or nude or just in a skirt with a scar. And to them, that is really empowering to them. And I remember when I was sick and I was a kid trying to Google my cancer in a woman and Rottweilers came up because my cancer was not common and it wasn't common to see people with scars and disabilities and stuff. Uh-huh. And I think in a way I'll always have like a really special part of me that always remembers that feeling of not being represented and knowing that even if other people don't see it, there will always be those people who do have a disability who do see the scar and who do see it and they connect with that kind of like vulnerability, I guess, through like the art that I get to produce. That's really awesome. That's cool. You have a special way of connecting to others through what happened to you. I really, I feel really lucky because it's definitely really exciting to see the world from this perspective. That's awesome. So with other, I, I think I remember hearing you talk about this a little bit when we were at Muses together, because I, I heard so much about all the the positive energy that you've gotten, but 
You also mentioned that there's some photographers that booked you without looking at all your photos and then they're surprised that you have a scar. Tell me about that. Many times where photographers have absolutely no idea, they do not pay attention or it just doesn't connect in their head that, oh, she's not kneeling in literally any of her photos. This leg is always straight. I wonder why do I show up and they're like, oh my God, what happens to you? So I literally get asked on a daily basis almost on tour, what happened to me? Like, was I in some kind of a motorcycle accident or like a car accident? Which is like, it's kind of cool because it makes me, I feel like more human to photographers. I'm less likely in my opinion to be fully objectified when they're like super hyper-focused on the fact that there's this literal three foot scar on me and I'm only five foot two. Well. <laughs> So they're very much like, huh, interesting. And a lot of times they're, everyone knows someone who had cancer. It's it's a very vulnerable part of people's lives. Sometimes I can really connect with them and I walk away with really cool artistic concepts that we got thought of that were, you know, symbolic of grief or symbolic of a phoenix or symbolic of a connection of a moment and passing that they had that they feel this emotion with, with this lighting and this mood and this color and this fabric and stuff. So that's really cool. But a lot of people actually have absolutely no idea that I had cancer, which is really funny because in my head, I will always be like, I see it so vividly in my photos. I don't know. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because there are a lot of photographers that will like stalk the crap out of you before you work together because they're really interested in you and they want to find out more about you and your other work on the Internet before working with you. And then there's other photographers who are just like, you know, replying to travel notices and they don't even look at your pictures yeah. <laughs> they're just surprised like oh you have this feature that I didn't know about or I mean on my end it's oh you have a tattoo and I'm like yeah, yeah it's in my photos did you look so, so but we the ones that I do connect either. with more are the ones that actually did like care to look at more stuff about me so I yeah. think the people that like do their research on me like I do my research on them are people that I actually enjoy working with, but then the people who don't, who just like book me to like book me, I guess, those are the people that I'm shooting and the whole time I'm like turning around doing like butt shots and like rolling my eyes when they're not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel the same way at times. And I do try to like predict which ones are going to be like that and like not book with them anymore, but you know, yeah. it still happens. <laughs> it does. It does. But yeah, hey, man, we we love all the income as long as they're not like predatory, right? Like, yeah, as long as I'm like safe, you know, I can put up with a lot of weird things. Speaking of weird things at photo shoots, I have this bit called the photo shoot fail of the week. Can you share a story where you had a photo shoot that? was crazy in some way, either because the situation surrounding the photo shoot was crazy or the photographer themselves were just out of line or something. Okay, so I already kind of told you this when we were at Muses. I'm going to tell you the same story because it's okay. the most absurd thing to have ever happened to me in all of my life. Oh my gosh. Uh, like genuinely too. Like I really mean it is really weird. But I did a photo shoot with someone in New Mexico who lives in an underground bunker. And he told me pre 
us solidifying the booking and me getting my deposit and stuff that he lived in an underground bunker. And I was like, you know what? That's cool. I'm from Texas. You're not the only person I know who has an underground bunker. You might be the only one I know who lives in an underground bunker, but you know, whatever. So I like get there to the underground bunker and I'm with this girl I used to travel with who is very sheltered and sweet, but sheltered. And I am briefing her like this guy lives in an underground bunker, like blah, blah, blah. No worries. So we get there and he shows us like the whole tour of this place. And it is gigantic. Like it is bigger than my house. There's a room full of like bunk beds, rooms full of non-perishable foods, like a bajillion bathrooms, a little fireplace area with couches and stuff, like a whole surveillance room that like has all these like video cameras that you can see throughout the property and stuff. And so then after he shows us a tour, I do find out that I have cell phone service in the main like entrance part of his bunker. So that's nice. So if I stand in this like one section, I have cell phone service. So he starts talking to us and he booked us for like seven hours. So we're Mm. there for the day. Like we're there for a long time. So I don't really care if like the first hour is chit-chatting and like talking, like getting to know each other and stuff. And I had to drive in the mountains in January and like the part that does get snow in New Mexico. And I'm from Houston. We don't do that. So (laughs) it was a bit like of a scary drive for me at the time. And so... We sit down at the table to start like going over all the paperwork and like all the financial stuff and like IDs and all that good stuff. And he pulls out this like laminated paper that has a bunch of photos of like different types of modeling. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, you know, you're kind of in a remote location. Like this is probably good for models who don't really do this kind of thing. They're like coming and they don't know like what kind of modeling they want to do. And he's like explaining like, you know, this is fashion and this is boudoir and this is glam and this is playboy nudes and penthouse nudes and hustler nudes and this is porn. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we know where we're drawing the line for me and with her. We have a little bit of different boundaries. She's more conservative than I am, but I'm not going to do all this other stuff. He like flips it over and it's like a thing of like a pyramid that's in different colors And, like, the bottom part of the pyramid is, like, hell. And then the top part of the pyramid is, like, the ultimate of heavens. And he's talking. There's, like, little notes on the side that, like, go from, like, having a fully shaved, like, vulva means that you're going to go to all of, like, the depths of hell. And then, like, you know, like, with, like, more groomed pubes, it goes to, like, you know, heaven. And then, like, really nice heaven. And then ultimate heaven is if you have triangle-shaped pubes triangle shaped pubes take you to heaven <laughs> it was the weird and like i'm experiencing a thousand red flags and i turn to my friend and she's looking him dead in the eye like nodding her head enthusiastically like yeah no way <laughs> crazy and i'm like jesus christ help me i have to get us out of here or i have to at least get the shoot started so we can no longer be attempted to be indoctrinated into this man's obvious cult that he's in And then he starts going off. This is January of 2020. So then he starts going off about how this crazy Chinese vaccine or Chinese virus. These are his exact words. This crazy Chinese virus is going to be coming to America and the entire world is going to shut down. So you need to travel and make as much money as you possibly can before March hits. I literally have an email with all of the same information that he's said that I just said that he said in my 
Gmail saved just because I, I needed to confirm that this was my real life, that this man in an underground bunker told me about COVID <laughs> months before it actually became COVID. It was crazy. Whoa. Okay. So rewind. I remember you telling me this story before, but I'm, I want to know, like, did you and your friend have triangle pubes or shaved pubes when he told you about the pyramid of heaven? <laughs> so she had a bush and then I always had a landing strip back then. So I guess we would have been in like somewhat purgatory. <laughs> so the, the triangle pubes, is that like having a bush, but it's like trimmed to be a triangle? Yeah, like basically like, you know, like little like when you go get like a Brazilian and they like give you the little chart and they're like, you can have the martini. Like that's kind of. Oh, okay. I'm so confused as to like, did he make this up himself or was he part of some like Reddit group or something? There, that- was, there were books apparently what and he sent my friend books because she was so enthusiastically listening to him about this whole thing I don't I never read the books we had a falling out shortly after this trip and so I don't really talk to her anymore but um I never read the books I never saw the books would like to see the books because I'm curious but I'm not emailing him <laughs> yeah the book recommendations I wonder if they could just google it and find it that's so weird yeah, that was definitely <laughs> the story that, like, when people ask me, like, what's the weirdest photo shoot you've ever done? That's the <laughs> one that, like, I'm like, well, I have a story for you. Oh, my God. And this guy was on Model Mayhem? Yes. Yeah, of course he was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, like, the shoot itself, was that all right? Or was yeah, it just him being? fine. The shoot was <laughs> actually, like, very much... It reminded me kind of some of the sets were kind of like how Muses had some of the sets like with the tractor and like the horses and like the little like fence and stuff. The shoot was actually fine. I actually ended up having a good time. um, That's cool. After the fact. But the whole time I was like, this guy's crazy. Like, (laughs) you know, like drove off his land and like thought to myself like, wow, like that that could have been the one like. Yeah, yeah. If somebody's going to go psycho on you, you would assume it would be something like that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, that's crazy. I can't believe I just did that. And then, like, drove <laughs> off. Whoa. Yeah, that is super wild. I mean, I've met some weird people. <laughs> but that one was definitely like, huh, okay. And he's he was retired Air Force. Oh, retired and lives alone in a bunker. Yeah, so... That was super interesting. I knew veterans. Um, that was, but I've never met a veteran like that. That's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's really crazy. It 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 does that kind of thing does make me wonder like how like the mind can wander, especially if it's you and you're alone with the internet and for real, you get really deep in those rabbit holes. Yeah. So like sometimes older people have a harder time understanding some of like the newer technology. It scares them because they really weren't exposed to that at all. Like we were as we got older and like a more, I don't know, like adapting phase of life. Yeah, I guess I might be a little bit older than wait. Can you remind me how old you are? I'll be 29 in July. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'll I'm I'll be 36 next month. So yeah, I, I had my space. Me too. Oh, okay. Wow. You must have been young when you had MySpace. I was young when I had MySpace, but I was definitely (laughs) on MySpace. (laughs) (laughs) MySpace and then, yeah, Tumblr and then, you know, Waddle Mayhem and finally Instagram and all that stuff. But 
social media didn't start becoming like helpful for modeling for me until about 2015. I think that's around the time I found out who you found out who you were because that was the same year that I shot with Bob Robichaux in Dallas for the first time, and I think oh. he had caught in your calendar, and it was like on his little like desk. Oh, that's so sweet. It was like this photo of you underwater in like a bikini. And he was like, that's pure rebel. Like, she's awesome. <laughs> I found out who you were. That's awesome. Yeah, he was nice. Rest in peace, Bob Robichon. Bob was one of my best friends. Yeah, he was nice. I liked working with him. I, I was surprised when I heard that he had passed. Yeah, me too. I found out on my birthday, actually. It was a experience. Oh, yeah. There's another model that was really close with him that I had on the podcast a little over a month ago. He seems to have a lot of really good friends. So that's good. It's really interesting because I've been thinking about this lately that there was a time in my life, I don't know, I was hanging out with some family members or something talking about what I've been up to. And I, you know, tell stories about what I've been up to hanging out with other photographers and models and doing stuff. And somebody mentioned, oh, yeah, but they're not your real friends, you know, like they're, they're just in, in the industry for the money. And I'm like, well, I mean, we are like, you know, making an income off of our modeling, but I feel like I do have a strong friendship connection with other models who some people might consider my competitors. And I even have friendships with photographers who are hiring me, even though that's kind of a business connection. Yeah, no, I totally feel that. Some of my best friends are models. Aona Gabrielle, Sophia Solaro. Those two are like my best friends. I met my other best friend, Jessica Wallach, like literally through modeling. And those are like the only friendships that ever actually typically work out for me because most people don't understand that I'm touring and I'm trying to have a life when I'm home. And it works for us because we see each other on the road and we can tour together and like make money together. And we have like in my opinion, even more of a stronger connection than some of my like, quote unquote, normie friendships, just because they understand what my actual life is like in a way that other people can't. And then with photographers, like some of my best friends are the photographers who hire me. There's like uh, Zach Rose and Buffalo is one of my super close yeah. friends. And we talk almost every day and he hires me and that doesn't really affect our friendship at all. And Bob and I were super close. I, I would talk to Bob all the time. I would stay at Bob's house. I would go to Bob's place and I would like hang out with him even if I didn't have a shoot scheduled with him. And then my other friend, Bill, out in Terrell, we talk every day too. And he gives me some of the best life advice I could have ever gotten. (laughs) That's awesome. And there's just so much depth when you can like connect with people in your circle in this way. And one thing that I think really makes it more of an intimate kind of friend circle you can tell me what you think about this, but honestly, I think that the openness and the nudity connection in some kind of a way, it's like we understand each other and we're comfortable like creating this sort of art uh, and no, it, it somehow brings us together. There's some like real intimacy in holding my best friend while she's going through something super intense in her life in a way that's loving while we're nude and having a photographer capture a moment. Like we still have our whole lives going on when we're in the midst of our shoots. And sometimes some of the best photos I get with other models is when one of us is really going through it or has something going on in their life. There's just this like nurturing vibe, I guess, that comes out in our posing. And I think that that like makes my art with, that's why I'm selective about even posing with other models because I don't want 
the stuff that I do with other models to only be surface level. I would prefer if someone looks at a photo of me and one of my friends who's modeling with me and being like, wow, that is a beautifully like poetic, strong image. Like I can see their connection and their bond there. I love that. That's really awesome. And I see, I know what you mean. Like when you're posing with another model, if it's just like, all right, both of you hold hands. Okay. Like touch each other's butts. All right. Matchy, yeah, matchy. Like, awkward. You know, it's, really, it's not like real. And I'd hate, I hate shoots that aren't, that don't have at least a little bit of authenticity. Yeah. So if I might ask, does that mean that you prefer more like artistic over like glamour style yeah, concept. Uh, definitely. I'm definitely like more into like fine art stuff. I do shoot a lot of glamour. I get booked a lot for like the petite girl next door, Southern Belle, Latina, niche. I get a lot of stuff from that. And that's not to say I don't have fun doing that. But at the end of the day, I will always be that little girl who was drawn to the fine art new paintings and museums. So anything that kind of resembles that, I feel happier doing. I enjoy more. I wish it was easier to share that kind of stuff more freely because it seems like a lot of the glamour where you're wearing like a thong and a tiny bikini top, you can post that anywhere, but you can't post something if you're not wearing anything. Yeah, like, I literally publicly. just got flagged on Instagram for a post that me and Zach did that I really love. Aww. But, you know, it is what it is. I guess it's yeah. day him it goes. Yeah, I mean, the more action your account gets, the more likely you are to get taken down for that kind of a thing, sadly. Yeah, and I'm really trying to, like, get more into, like, brands and stuff. So I kind of have to, like, pay attention to what I'm doing on there more than what I used to. Yeah, it's kind of, like, a little bit of a curse because if you want to get more brand deals, then you have to, like, attract them by not being shadow banned. And in order to do that, you have to post imagery that maybe isn't necessarily what your passion is. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I end up finding that modeling has a lot of similarities with other art forms like music because mainstream music, the labels often want to control what the music sounds like or like how long the song is or whether or not there's a really long guitar solo or whatever. That's literally why I like Houston rap so much. This is such a niche thing to like even bring up on this podcast. But I love Houston rap, H-Town Till I Drown, Zero, Slim Thug. I talked to one of the guys who does, who produces beats for Zero and Slim Thug and Paul Wall and all the like rappers down there that like, I'd be bumping them up here too, man. But anyways, and him and I have had this conversation that it's so similar. Our our things are so similar. It's so that's why I like Houston rap because they talk about those exact same concepts. And I really resonate with that, like with the lyrics, you know, it, it might be completely two different industries, but like just replace, you know, studio time with my studio time. It's the same thing. Like, that's exactly how I feel. That's so funny that you said that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You you have to like sell out a little bit in order to like get like noticed by the masses. You have to appeal to the masses. So true. (laughs) I suppose that's kind of like, you know, something that a lot of artists in general have to deal with. Like, you know, how much do I sell out? And if I'm selling out too much and am I ruining my brand or am I ruining my desire to even do this? Yeah, so true, man. I sold out for a little bit and then I like kind of came to my senses and was like, you know what? (laughs) I do it better my way sometimes. 
in in the end, like if you're authentic, like in your posting and stuff, I think you'll attract more people who actually want to work with you because of your vibe, not because they're going to try to make you a Barbie or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people, I was surprised last year when I was traveling, how many people were like, I feel like I know you because you're so authentic on your posts. And I was like, oh, thanks. That's nice. I also try to live my life so that way people hear anything bad about me because we all know this industry is full of gossip and weird nonsense. If they hear something that is questionable or sounds bad about me, they'll be like, are you sure you're talking about Julia? Because that doesn't sound like her. (laughs) So I try to like live my life as thoroughly authentically as possible across the board constantly, no matter who I'm talking to or who I'm dealing with or what I'm doing. What you see is what you get. That's awesome. Oh, I have a question. This is kind of random, but I was just thinking about your handle on Instagram is Exploded Galaxy. And I've always wondered, like, how you came up with that name. This is super funny. So I've had the same Instagram account since I was a junior in high school. And that's wow. since then. Cool. I, I, I just never changed it. Like I said, I didn't ever think that I would ever be modeling. I never thought even when I did start modeling that it would be something like this. Like I had such big imposter syndrome at Muses. I could not believe that I was sitting there with like Christy Jessica and Rebecca Lawrence, like <laughs> hanging out, like talking and like comparing stories. And I got to work with you. Uh, that was just like never on my radar. I just always thought like, I'll just do my little thing in Houston or in Texas or in the South. And like, I'm fine with it like this. And then it just kind of like girl world so much that now I have to like, I have no cool story. I have no cool reasoning. I just was really obsessed with Carl Sagan when I was younger. Carl Sagan? Can you enlighten me on who that is? He's an astro- astronomer. Oh, cool. Cool. He, um, very famously captured, like there's this photo of Earth and it's like this huge expansive photograph of like the galaxy and earth is this like tiny pale blue dot and it's it's like weird but i loved that like pale blue dot book that he wrote it's this book and i was obsessed with it and i was so into space and i love space and i was like i'm just gonna do exploded galaxy and it's just been that forever that's cool i like it i like that you kept the same handle from junior high that's cool (laughs) (laughs) my first email was like cat lover 6937 or something like that i love it (laughs) that phased out though is a little yeah anyway i have another question that i want to ask you that i ask everybody on the show it's called the rising phoenix of your life And we kind of talked about some stuff earlier that, you know, that might be it. So if it is, you know, that's cool. We can just reiterate it a little bit. But can you describe something in your life, whether it's related to your modeling or like, you know, confidence or like some kind of a challenge that you were faced that you had to overcome? Okay. The obvious answer would be the cancer thing. Mm-hmm. I go with the obvious thing because I just I don't know it's it's obvious thing I don't like doing anything like that <laughs> okay I probably have to say the fact that I up and moved everything into a storage unit in October and had absolutely no plan on what I was going to be doing or where I was going to go and then somehow still was able to move across the country with my boyfriend and my dogs all on modeling 
that was the most like exciting coolest thing I think I've ever done in my life that's awesome able to really like persevere through like 12 cancellations two pit bulls attacking us in Tulsa oh my god dying five blizzards I still like kept going and I still was like you know what like I know I'm gonna be happier if I go to the northeast and I did everything in my power to get here and with like a little help from my boyfriend's mom and then my best friend Jessica we were actually able to like move somewhere that I felt happy in for the first time in my life that's hardcore it was so cool it was epic it was really hard I remember driving away in Houston which is all I've ever known my whole life I grew up like on the border of this part of Houston called Southwest Aleaf, Texas and Meadows Place, which isn't the great greatest place in the world, to be honest with you. It's kind of ghetto. And I had all the odds stacked up against me. My mom was a single mom. I have three brothers. We all lived with my grandparents when I was growing up. Then the cancer thing happened. And I thought I would never ever be able to even drive a car, yet alone drive myself across the country and settle down in the complete opposite of the environment that I grew up in. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, that is really intense. I mean, I've left my apartment and put stuff in storage to do van life. So in a way, I can almost kind of relate just to as far as like, oh my gosh, how am I going to live my life? Like, it's like when you don't have your like apartment anymore and it's kind of unknown where your next like destination is going to be or like how your lifestyle is going to be like, that is kind of like, unsettling but exciting at the same time it was the scariest thing I ever did but it was also in my opinion probably the coolest thing I ever did and maybe the most badass thing I ever did that's cool that like I was over living somewhere that I felt was super dangerous and unsafe full of like Houston has a super bad like drug problem I felt like every time I'd go home there would be like more things that were happening there and then I would come up here and yeah, those problems are still super prevalent, but it's not in the fourth largest city in America that those problems are an issue. It's like in a much smaller area and it's easier for me to like navigate. And I had no idea where I was going when I left. We were like maybe New Hampshire, maybe Virginia, like maybe Pennsylvania. And we like chose Pittsburgh on a few different reasons, but I'm really proud of myself. I really feel like I really did the thing. Like if I could go back in time and tell 15-year-old Julia, like you moved across the country and now you live in the East and you have an amazing support group of really awesome like women in your life and your boyfriend's badass and you have two cute dogs and you live in a house, I probably would laugh at myself because this would have seemed so unfathomably impossible to even do any of those things. It's like probably the biggest accomplishment I've ever had in my life was getting out of Houston and doing all of this all on my own. That's awesome. So you, you got like an apartment up there now? Or? I got a house. A house. I didn't buy a house. I rented a house, but it's still a house. That's awesome. I could have never afforded a house in Houston. It's so expensive there. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't have super, guessed. Super expensive. Wow. That is so nice. And then like that freedom that you have – it's probably going to make you never want to have like a regular like office job your whole life. No, I really don't think I could ever do it. If anything, though, I think I would go work for a nonprofit just because I did the thing that I wanted to do when I was younger, which was live my life like doing something that like made me happy that was like in the arts and traveled. And then once I retire, I think it would be cool to do the other thing that I always wanted to do, which was like kind of go back into like the pediatric cancer field and do stuff. Cool. 
probably running like marketing or like social media or something. None of them know what they're doing for that. No offense. That's rad. <laughs> That's super rad. Do you like predict when you think you might want to end modeling or? I kind of want to retire within the next five years by the time I'm 35, just because I feel like by the time I'm 35, I will be taken like a little bit more seriously in the nonprofit world. Basically, oh, okay. They tend to not really take you too seriously when you're younger. Anyway. Of course. <laughs> they, they try to like undercut your experience and stuff. They're not going to argue with a 35-year-old woman though. Huh. That's so interesting. That's a whole other weird world. <laughs> I don't know that much about getting into working for nonprofits, but I mean, I kind of understand that you're not taken as seriously in general as a female when you're under 30. <laughs> oh my God, seriously though. People tell me all the time, they're like, you'll understand when you're older. <laughs> <laughs> and you're 29 now. I'm sure people still say that to you. Dude, literally, people also don't believe I'm 29. They're like, no, you're not. You're like 22. And I'm like, all right, sure. <laughs> Yeah, like it's supposed to be a compliment, but it also could sound like a backhanded compliment if the, if you feel like they're implying that you're immature or something. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I also just like think that aging is kind of cool. Like I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to get older. So like I'm just like not someone who like sees 29 or 30 or older as like this big depressive thing that a lot of people feel. It's just not something that I resonate with. I'm just excited to be here. Is that because of the health scare that you had younger in your life? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a mixture of that and a mixture of I just feel like the older I get, like the stronger I get and the more capable I become. And so I'm like excited to like see how much more capable I'll be in one year and three years and five years and 10 years. That's awesome. I have found that I do end up like getting excited about like other career paths and I like start hustling on it on the side, but I've never been able to like stop modeling to start something else. And since yeah. it's always a side project, I always kind of end up going back into just primarily doing modeling. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm like really into like the lifestyle that it provides to, and now that I'm in the Northeast, it's so much easier to travel. And it's also really nice that like up here, the models are so nice. And then I, met, I went to Muses and I was able to make other friends and it feels a lot less like a lonely job. I used to always say that my job was really lonely, but I don't feel like that right now. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, there is definitely a community like vibe, especially with the density of models and photographers over there. It's nice. I like it a lot. Over here on the West, it's like right now I'm in Seattle. The next nearest city is a three-hour drive away, and it's Portland. And there's like some people there. But then after Portland, you really have to go all the way to San Francisco to the next next major city, which is quite a farther drive south, like an extra 10 hours or something. That's how I felt in Houston. Like Houston was really hard for me. Like there's a lot of people in Texas, but they're not like – I just wasn't, I wasn't a girl for like the Texas scene, I guess, you know, I've been dating a New Yorker for 10 years. I got New York qualities sometimes, you know, I'm a little too direct for the South. <laughs> and I get that. I get that that like was something that like rubbed off on me, like dating my boyfriend was that I was like really direct and um, I didn't really do like the Southern courtesies anymore. Mm. And so uh, I had a hard time down there making friends. Models were mean to me. 
and they weren't very welcoming to me. And even if they did talk to me, I could tell they only talked to me because they felt like it was like a political move to be kind of nice to me in case they needed something. What the fuck? (laughs) It wasn't like authentic. It wasn't like, oh, I could like, you know, like send you a meme or something. Like it wasn't a real friendship. It was just, I'm going to talk to you because you know all these people and you can help me if I need it. And they know I'm not going to say no. They know I'm nice. Yeah, that sucks. (laughs) It's okay. I have... I'm so lucky. Like once I started spending more time in the Northeast, I met so many cool people. And then I met other people more West too, even though I haven't gone West really. I've gone to like Colorado and like Arizona. That's about like as West as I've gone for work. Like, I don't know. It's just like different. And I I like it a lot more. It's, it fits better for me. That's cool. I'm happy that you have found this amazing place for yourself that you never in your wildest dreams thought was accomplishable. It's Pittsburgh. People think it's so funny. They're like, Pittsburgh. <laughs> One thing that I remember when I went to Pittsburgh is that they put what they call croutons on everything, but the croutons were French fries. Yeah, they put fries on everything here. <laughs> it's an adjustment to going from Houston's food to like Pittsburgh's food for yeah. sure. I, I ordered like a Caesar salad and it came with French fries on top of it. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, they do that here for real. That was like definitely one of the things that like shook me the most. That and like Pittsburgh, Buffalo, like this area of America just has very interesting food that I've never tried before. It's very interesting. But I mean, mm-hmm. I have found food that I like. And also now that I have my house and like all my stuff back from Houston, I can cook whatever I need to cook. If I have a craving, it's fine. That's awesome. And there's quite a bit of abandoned stuff out like in the outskirts yes. of, of Pittsburgh too, right? I, yes. I love, love abandos. Sweet. Maybe I should go out there. <laughs> yes, please do. That'd be so sick. I'm trying to coordinate some abandonment escapades on my New York and Pennsylvania trip, but it's hard because I'm not going to have a rental car. So I'm like, you know, asking other like modelographers, hey, want to collab here at this abandoned building? That would oh be cool, God, right? That's so funny. Because <laughs> out so west, funny. we don't have very much of that kind of stuff on the west side of the United States. We don't, not in the south either. So. I'm very enchanted with all of the abandoned stuff out here. I actually just got booked for like a really cool abandoned gig in September with this like lady who booked me and I wish she would tell, she doesn't know who referred her to me, but it's like at this (laughs) big abandoned school and I'm like, I want to tell whoever gave you my information. Thank you. Can you like figure it out? Is that the one in Shenandoah? I think so. I think, okay, yeah, I have been there. It's like an abandoned school building that, like, it's sort of preserved by, like, some company that will, like, have small classes there. And they'll also rent it out to photographers, like, use it for cheap for the day. But it's super excited. Yeah, it's really cool. And a lot of people shoot like in the sanctuary area and in the gymnasium, but there's a lot of really, really crazy stuff like downstairs too. So check out the downstairs stuff also. Sick. I definitely will. They booked me for like a half day. So perfect. That's awesome. I love that spot. I'm so excited. That was like the first thing that swayed me about the Northeast. I shot with Zach at the Central Grand Terminal in Buffalo, and it was like this abandoned train station that was like made in like 
the 30s and I was like that's it like (laughs) I'm sold yeah I um in 2021 yeah 2021 the last year that I had my van, I made a trip all the way to the Northeast and I, I focused on finding a bunch of abandoned places and it was so cool. And that I was one of the that. spots I went to. I remember that. That was sick. I loved watching your stuff. Thanks. Yeah. I made like a bunch of YouTube videos of all the abandoned places that I checked out and it was awesome. So, I mean, I want more of that in my life. Yeah, I'm obsessed with abandoned locations, anything like off the beaten path, really cool nature. And na- all nature is impressive to me. I'm from Houston where we have none. So, yeah, that's right. I've been to like the Dallas, Austin, and Houston areas, but I've noticed that there's not very many interesting nature areas. Austin has like Lake Travis and what is that hippie hollow or whatever, which is nice, but it's not that nice. Yeah, no, I just like Lake Travis or Lake Travis because I used to go there when I was a kid. So I have like fond childhood memories. Oh, cool. Um, they have some pretty cool stuff up in near Lake Ontario. There's a thing called the Chimney Bluffs. Zach took me to go shoot there in the middle of the winter. It was probably the craziest thing I ever did was shoot in a little tiny snowstorm. Whoa. Fully nude on freaking Lake Ontario. But it was so worth it. It was really fun. And Zach was really sweet. We maybe only shot 80 frames in like 40 minutes. And Yeah. When it's that cold, I mean, you're lucky to get that much. That's hardcore, though. I love doing stuff like that. <laughs> sweet. That's awesome. Well, we're getting close to around the time that I usually wrap up the episode. Is there other stuff that you wanted to bring up before no, we close? I'm so excited that we were able to finally talk. It was so yeah. cool. You're super cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm so happy too. And I'm happy that we met in person and to meet you again. There's so many people that were at Muses that I feel like are my friends now. And I'm like, all I right, what cities you. are you guys in? Are you going to go to the Vegas thing? No, I'm not. Yeah, I can't make it either. I'm going to be doing South Utah stuff on those dates, but yeah, I have like other stuff that I like already committed myself to. And also, I'm really sticking to the Northeast right now. I'm Word. Really, I'm like, I'm done with the long trips or the faraway trips for a little bit. Word. Yeah. I mean, Vegas is cool, but it can be hit or miss for like bookings. I've never gone for work. I did go once as like a little tourist stop for a few days. That's necessary. It's interesting to look at. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't go like to any of the casinos. I didn't have a single drink, but I did like go do like a bunch of other like interesting things. And I had my dogs with me. So it was fun. Yeah. Even if you're not gambling, just walking through the hotel lobbies and stuff is cool. I loved people watching there. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right, Julia, it was awesome having you on the show. I'd love to have you again in the future, too. Yes, I'd love that so much. Awesome. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.